We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is November 2nd, 2023. Jonathan Osborne here, as always, and joined by my co host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, what is going on, brother? It is wild how a few days changes things, Jonathan. It is it is yeah. a darn shame how it changes things. We'll talk about it, obviously, but you know it 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 took up the last two nights of our lives, so it's hard for me not to really tie it into the intro and how I'm doing because you and I both spent you know the time as most magic fans staying up till you know one thirty one a m just to see our uh, our our hearts get broken more so on Monday night. We knew our hearts were going to break on on Tuesday night, especially halfway through. I think, you know, I was thinking about this today because I feel terrible today, like for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. And all this talk to start the year about how this is like the earliest we've ever had a, you know, West Coast road trip and so on and so forth. When I think about just like logistics of this season and like what our lives look like on a week to week basis, this will probably be the most difficult week of the year for us. Right. When you think we recorded on Sunday, stayed up wicked late on Monday, right? Mm-hmm. I, woke, I woke up yesterday on Tuesday, so went to bed around 2, Monday night, Tuesday morning. Got about four hours of sleep, had to wake up. I had a dentist appointment on Tuesday, all right? Now, I've for those keeping track of my Invisalign, God bless you. I'm now on my third round of Invisalign. I've now got the the rubber bands in my mouth. I I took them out because I I can't talk like that. Went took the kids trick or treating. Right, got home like about like eight thirty somewhere around there. Got them in bed. Then we had this Clippers game, second night of a back to back. We record tonight. Then we have the Jazz game tomorrow. Like I cannot think of. Yeah, that that's a five five nights in a row where we've got podcast magic, magic stuff going on and most of it requiring us to stay up at, you know, well past, you know, midnight 1am this week. There's something that producer Kevin said on the post game live talking about the Clippers game, Jonathan, 
he said, uh, he put it in perspective for us. He said, it can't get any worse than this, right? You stay up, all context included. You stay up till 1, one thirty, just to watch your team get their doors blown off by the Clippers. There's not another 10.30 start time, I believe is what he said. We're, there's a 10 p.m. start time at some point this season or a couple more times this season. But this is as bad as it gets. So just just take take the lumps as they come, and then we're we're moving on. You got a 9 p.m. tip off. That's gonna feel like a. That's gonna feel. I'm gonna feel like a new man going to bed at at midnight tomorrow or today as you guys listen to this. But yeah, it doesn't get any worse than that Clippers game. That's for sure. What What the hell is the NBA's problem? Because we do have two 10 p.m. games remaining, and guess what? They're freaking back to back again. Tuesday, January 2nd at Golden State. 10 p.m. Wednesday, January 3rd at Sacramento, 10 p.m. It's a fun lineup too, huh? And then we have a Friday game at Denver, January 5th, 9 p.m. Like what? Thanks a lot for nothing, NBA. Bring like that that week is going to be rough, like, you know, recording after, you know, that uh, Sacramento game. But man, like just spread them out a little bit. You don't got to just back to back. Give me at least a, a day off to regain, you know, a little bit of sleep like this is this is a bit ridiculous in my opinion but I agree we're going to talk about the losses we'll 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 break them down we'll talk about all that kind of stuff uh want to give you guys a heads up we are having another uh rendition of or not rendition a, a new edition i should say of the six fan show coming up next monday uh when the magic take on the dallas mavericks at home so if you are attending that game hey even if you're in the area if you're downtown you know watching the game at a bar the magic win you want to go over to amway and celebrate with everybody you know be on feature on the six fan show you want to head over to amway ben will be there with the light the camera the microphone all that kind of good stuff and then uh, we did a few playbacks this off season we did a few during summer league which was a ton of fun we did uh, quite a few during the FIBA world cup and people all summer long asked us like hey this is awesome will you guys please do this during the regular season so we are going to try it we've talked about that we've got a lot on our plate content wise but these are a lot of fun, so we want to at least try one. So Thursday, or tonight, as you guys are listening to this, when the Magic take on the Utah Jazz at 9 o'clock, we're going to be on playback uh, watching the game. If you're not familiar with playback, playback is a platform where you can watch content with your favorite creators, be a part of the show. There's a chat. You can come up on the stage and talk with us as well if you want to show your face and talk, all that kind of stuff. It's really a lot of fun. So if you're interested in that, you want to go ahead and subscribe to our uh, playback room. You can find us at playback.tv slash sixth man show. We'll probably get started about 845, you know, 10, 15 minutes before the game. And then we'll go ahead and, and watch the game. Uh, you know, even if you're not watching the stream with us, it's a fun like second screen, you know, viewing experience with the entire community. So make sure that you tune in for that. And then we are bringing the watch parties back this year. We are doing this first one bigger and better than ever. We're going to be at Wall Street Plaza on November 16th when the Magic take on the Chicago Bulls in their second in-season tournament game. That game is going to tip off at 8 o'clock. Would expect the festivities will kick off somewhere around 7.30, somewhere like that. If you missed the draft lottery watch party that we did this past summer at Wall Street, we had like seven, 800 people there by you know everyone's estimation. So going to be crazy, going to be a lot of fun. Uh, this is a, a big game for the Magic. It's their second in-season tournament game. The Magic, in my opinion, have a real chance to come out of the in-season tournament 
So if you're in town November 16th, uh, that game is going to start at 8 o'clock. We'll be down at Wall Street Plaza. So make sure that you come through. Going to be a ton of fun, guys. All right, let's talk the state of the Magic. So far this week, the Magic are 0-2 with losses to the Lakers and Clippers in Los Angeles on Monday and Tuesday night, bringing them to a record of 2-2 on the season. They currently sit fifth in the Eastern Conference. They are tied uh, at 2-2 two and two with the same record with Detroit, Chicago, New York, and Atlanta. So a lot of teams in the mix there. They are one game back of Indiana, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia. And they are one and a half games back of Boston, who right now has the number one uh, seed in the Eastern Conference. So far on the season, the Magic are 16th in the NBA in offensive rating with an offensive rating of 107.1. They are second in the NBA in defensive rating with a 103, and they are 10th in net rating with a 4.1. Luke, we'll talk about this later, but those uh, those ratings are heavily skewed by that first Houston Rockets blowout, blowout at home. The last three games, uh, the, the numbers are a bit more concerning, uh, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Let's go back to Monday, Luke. When we were two and zero coming off that win against Portland, you know, last Friday, had a couple of days off in LA. We were feeling good. We were feeling confident about our team. And let's talk about the start of this game. Magic start the game shooting nine of twenty three in the first quarter. They were down five at the end of the quarter. Anthony Davis just really having his way early. Magic were down nine for a good bit to start the second, and the game really felt like it was getting out of danger, getting out of reach. And then Gary Harris explodes for 14 points in the second quarter, really in about a five-minute stretch, Luke. Went five for five. He was four of four from behind the arc. And then Jalen Suggs has a step-back three to give the Magic a four-point lead at the half. And after that Gary Harris run, when the Magic take the lead, nobody could understand what was happening. Like This game really felt like it was in danger of getting out of reach. And then all of a sudden, the Magic comes storming back, take the lead. Gary Harris is going crazy, and it was just like a collective what just happened from Magic fans. Yeah, I listen, this is what... This, Gary, man, I love this man. I've been saying it. I've had people try to throw shade at Gary all the time, right? Last year, talking about whatever, right? Gary Harris is an incredible shooter, and when he gets hot, and you said this as well, the ghost of Terrence Ross... It did feel like that. Gary just stepped right into the role of what the Magic needed that night, hit the open threes. I, it was a lot of joy because we haven't had, like aside from Cole Anthony, what, game one where he scores 20, we haven't really had that feeling of like, this guy can't miss, he's unconscious from the floor. It was just a lot of fun. And for a moment there, for a while, it seemed like, this was this was the Magic's game to lose. This was the game. Boy, this was, was the game of the back to backs that you had the best chance of winning, and you put yourself in a pretty great position once Gary explodes for his his outburst, scoring outburst that he has. It's right there for you to take, and um, it, it stinks. Obviously, how it ended up, especially knowing how that Clippers game goes. But man, Gary Harris was a lot of fun in that one. So for those of you that uh, forgot or, or didn't realize, this was the first game of the Magic's back-to-back in L.A., Lakers-Clippers Monday-Tuesday, and it was the second night of a back-to-back for the Lakers. I believe they lost to, was it the Kings the night before? I believe in overtime. 
Mm-hmm. So like they're on the second night of a back to back. It's your first night of a back to back. If there was ever like a game that you absolutely should have won, this was the one. Let's talk about the second half. Orlando mostly control in the third quarter, but Lakers just would not go away. And that we had a tied ball game heading into the fourth. And the Magic had a five point lead with seven forty six to go. Cole Anthony comes down, misses back to back jumpers. Like we're talking very makeable Cole Anthony shots, like shots that you expect Cole Anthony to make, just barely missed. And then D'Angelo Russell starts to to get going here. He scores 12 points over the last five minutes, 49 seconds. With 2.27 to go, LeBron hits a three from the top to give LA a one-point lead. Uh, Jalen Suggs answers with a three the other end. Lakers come back their end. D'Angelo Russell hits another three to regain the lead with 1.43 to go. One-point lead. The ensuing possession, Paolo Bancaro comes from the left wing, drives to the basket, collides with Anthony Davis, no foul call. Now, I don't want to make this game about the officiating. It was frustrating. When you look at the free throw numbers in this game, like they they really were not that bad. The Magic shot 18. Lakers also shot 18. But it just felt like the amount of aggression that the Magic were playing with at points going towards the rim they deserve to get a few more calls. Paolo Bancaro especially was getting mugged at points during this game. Now he goes right into Anthony Davis. No foul call here. Watching it back, to me, it looks like Anthony Davis brings brings the arms down a little bit. And most of the time, that's enough. Especially a guy like Paolo Bancaro who gets to the line at the rate that he does. But he just didn't get the call uh, in that spot. However, the Magic go down the other end. They get a stop. We go down the other end. Markel finds Paolo for a wide open corner three that I've, I don't know that I've ever wanted a, a corner, a regular season corner three to go in so badly. And just long, Paolo Bancaro misses it off the rim. Uh, the Magic have to foul. They have a chance down one, 21 seconds to go. Uh, or no, th- this is before they have to foul. Sorry. They get the ball back. They're down one, 21 seconds to go. Jalen drives, he collides with AD, like goes right into the chest. I think AD was pretty, you know, vertical at that point. You're not going to get that call there against AD against the Lakers in LA. No good. Now they have to foul. D'Angelo Russell makes both free throws. Magic timeout with eight seconds left. They're down three. Franz forces a three. He sort of like, you know, double and, and triple, you know, fakes there and then just forces one with five seconds left. He misses short. Jalen miraculously ends up with the rebound, runs to the three-point line, pump fakes, gets an open look, misses, and then just like almost instantly bursts into tears. Magic lose 103 to 106. Magic uh, starters shoot five of 16 in the fourth quarter. And the closing lineup in that last possession was Fultz, Jalen, Franz, Paolo, Wendell. Luke, what were your thoughts that final quarter, last couple of possessions, the, the Paolo, you know, drive the Palo three the Jalen drive the Franz three the Jalen three like what are your thoughts like go like going through you know this last few minutes of this game I I mean I obviously share the sentiment with you about Palo Bancaro and that corner three it it would have redeemed a lot of things for maybe criticisms that I've had for Palo thus far to start the year to this point Jonathan Palo's shooting like 22% on only two attempts a game from three. It is by no means good. He goes one of five from three in this game. And he has a chance to hit that shot being the biggest shot of the game to that point. 
Paul George on his podcast, Jonathan, talked about his rookie year. And he tells a story, and I, I think it might be Danny Granger that was telling this to him. But Paul George just was not hesitating. He just kept shooting the three ball. He wasn't a good three-point shooter at this time. And he tells Granger, essentially, I'm wide open. Of course I'm going to shoot it. Shoot it. And Granger goes, Paul, you're wide open for a reason. And Paul George said, that's when it all hit me. He was like, then I just locked myself in the gym and I was shooting threes all summer. And then I slowly, like I gained a three point shot. That is what I think about when Paolo very obviously has these wide open three pointers. And then he's going, he takes them and you just hope that he makes them, but he just can't get it going from the perimeter. And we know this to be a struggle. We know that if Paolo can get a three point jumper, then the sky's the limit for this dude already. It already is. But if he develops the perimeter shot, as is the case for guys who don't have one, then it's it's a wrap for the league. And Paolo so desperately needed to hit this man. So I was devastated when it didn't go in. And then the Jalen Suggs thing, genuinely, it broke my heart. Like, he puts it up. And it, it was nothing to do with his own. I don't know what the plan was for that that sideline out of bounds, but it didn't look like there was one. There was Why no... is the answer always a 28 foot Franz Wagner three from the right wing? Why is that always the look that we get? I don't every know. single out after timeout. You, you need a, a three to tie or to win the game. Why is that always the look? And also who you've got out there. Who's your personnel? K KYP know your personnel you have the guys on the court who couldn't buy a bucket from beyond the arc in this game. Yet you had Gary Harris who erupted earlier, hadn't missed to that point, didn't miss the whole game. He's not in the game for what? Because listen, I'd understand if you had Paolo and Wendell in this game to just be big bodies, set a screen, free up this uh, the chance to get a shot off from three, but there was legitimately no action. There was none. Somehow, the play design of Jalen getting an offensive rebound was a better play design than what was initially drawn up. Jalen got more wide open off of a pump fake than Franz Wagner got off of a sideline out of bounds that seemed non-existent. That just should not happen. There's no reason Jalen Suggs should be in the position to have to feel like he has to take that three. And I don't know what it is, Jonathan. We've got a lot of really confident guys on this team. But there are just a couple of them on this team that I'm like, they without a doubt will try to create something to shoot from the perimeter and make and win the game, regardless of what their percentages say. Those two guys are Cole Anthony and Jalen Sucks. They just aren't there. There's no fear. There's no fear. And there's also there's a pretty high IQ with these guys in terms of being able to create your own shot in the final moments when your team needs it most. I don't know why Franz shot that ball. He had time. There was enough LeBron time. LeBron is draped all over him. How is not like, how were you, how is there not an action to free up guys on the wing to get Franz to get them the ball or something? How is there not an alternate there at all? I don't understand it. I, I don't get it. How does Franz Jalen had enough time to rebound the ball, take it back out, pump fake and shoot. Franz get rid of the ball way too soon. He pump fakes once on LeBron. LeBron doesn't budge. 
and he shoots it air balls at like just terrible design and i just i i don't know man i we can't get a straight answer out of jamal mosley on this stuff and we also just didn't have the question really asked so i don't know i it was all very frustrating for me that that really that was a gut punch and then you walk out of there and you're like man you you gotta win tomorrow night against the clippers and i don't think there's a real likelihood of that happening and as we came to find out we we believe that for good reason so i man super frustrating well one thing that i saw on on social media was like why why was Suggs in that game and not gary harris my my question is like well, why is Wendell in this game? Why is Markell in this game? Arguably, why if if you need a three, like you absolutely need a three, why is Paolo in this game? Right? Like, and you're not gonna sit Paolo Bancari, you're not gonna sit Franz Wagner, right? Like that's just there's not a universe where that is happening where those mm-hmm. guys are not on the floor of the final play of the game. But when the other team knows, like, hey, these guys these guys absolutely need to get a three, right? And I, I know they want Markell inbounding the ball. He's one of the best inbounders on the team. But when you desperately need a three, like there, yeah. there were two guys on the floor out of the five that I felt confident taking that shot. Both of them got looks. Neither of them made it. But you could argue like Gary should have been in that game for Wendell or for Markell or Cole should have been in that game. But like we're not even in the situation to win the game or to tie the game at this point if it's not for Jalen Suggs. Like that mm-hmm. rebound that AD got with like 23 seconds left and Jalen just dives in there and somehow comes up with the ball. Like we had no business having the ball like down the stretch here for you know guys to get the looks that they had. And the other thing I want to add here, Jonathan, you talk about Markel and his ability to pass a ball, why he's the one even in the game and bounding the ball. We get it. There's nobody that understands it as like a, as more than you and I do about Markel Fultz and his effect on winning. But in this scenario, who so often is referred to as the most dangerous guy on the court for the offense? The inbounder. The sideline outbounds. The inbounder. Do you think that once Markel passed that ball that anybody was even looking at Markel Fultz after he gets rid of the ball? No. Gary Harris can come in and do that. Now, I get it. As far and as it like wasn't the, an intricate play design. Like you're not asking the guy to no. make a, a, a terrible pass. It was just literally just a cross court lob to Franz. Yeah. Throw it up. Six foot ten Franz Wagner's gonna get the ball. And then he's gonna regardless, right? Like for what? <laughs> he pump fakes, he air balls, whatever. So very irritating. I think obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but still like looking at the intricacies of this final play in a scenario. Gary Harris needs to be inbounding that basketball. I trust Gary Harris to do that. Do, how is that? The, like the more that I talk about it, it is frustrating me even more, Jonathan. He just have Gary pass the ball in and run, get a screen coming up for him to get open for a corner three or whatever. You've got enough time too that he can eventually end up on the opposite corner. Free him up. I just, man, and the fact that like we, we're not running like a dribble handoff, we're not running a pick and roll like to get Franz open. It's just like, hey, we're gonna throw the ball to Franz with LeBron James standing right in front of him and ask him to make a thirty foot three. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't. I don't want to like poo poo 
Jamal Mosley because like he's not the reason that we were in this situation. Like one guys just need to make shots. Like Wendell, Paolo, like these guys are routinely missing looks that we saw them make all year last year. Cole Anthony had a chance basically to make this a nine-point game with like five and change, which w- would have completely changed the outlook of this game, in my opinion. Like Cole Anthony makes even one of those, there's a good chance you're walking out of there with a win. But like guys have to make shots that they should make. And then the free throw shooting, like this is becoming a trend, but 13 of 18 from the free throw line, 72%, you leave five points at the free throw line. You make just a a couple of those. And guess what? You don't need a three at the end. You know, any, any basket at that point, you might tie it or, or win the game at that point. And then Anthony Davis just had his absolute way. He had 26 points, 19 rebounds was 12 of 18. D'Angelo Russell, 28 points, 10 of 14. Like, D'Angelo Russell has one of these games like every so often, every few weeks where he just can't miss. And we just got lucky enough that Anthony Davis and D'Angelo Russell both had that game in the same night. And we just could not get it going offensively. Like going to the to the box score for the Magic, like Franz, 16 points on 17 shots. Paolo, 9 points on 14 shots. Jalen, 15 points on, on 12 shots. Markel, 14 points on 16 shots. Cole Anthony, 12 points on 12 shots. Like they shot 40% from the floor. And if it wasn't for Gary Harris in this game, the Magic would have been sub 40% field goal percentage for the game. He's six of six, five of five from behind the arc. And because of his five for five, the Magic, you know, it looks like they shot 40% for this game from behind the arc, but it was, it was quite literally Gary Harris. Like everything else here, like you out rebound the Lakers, you do a better job, like taking care of the basketball. Just whatever is going on with the offense right now and is just going on with like all of our guys right now, like it, it just, they just need to be better. Like I think I said after this game in like the post game video that I did that Steve Clifford used to say like, it's hard to win if your best players don't play well. And right now our best players are not playing well. And the fact that we're still in these games, like outside of the third quarter, like against the Clippers, we'll talk about them in a couple of minutes, but I don't know that there is a ton that you could do in that situation, but like we're not playing well and we still should have won this game. Yeah. It should have been a red flag opening night when, when Paolo like doesn't play that well and we still blew Houston out. Like that was so much fun that game. Like, don't get me wrong. But there, there are, are signs. We'll talk about this. But there were signs in that game that should have been like, oh, you know, that's a little bit weird. But hey, we won by thirty, so who really cares? Now we're losing. Now everybody's starting to care. Yeah. Anything else about this uh, Lakers game here? No, I'm ready to move on. Let's move on. Let's talk about our patrons. Our patrons, we love them. They're incredible. They they literally help us do what we love each and every day. You know, every day of the week record twice a week, watch all these magic games, have the post game lines, the six fan show, all that kind of stuff. The watch parties, it's literally all possible because of our patrons. Uh, If you'd like to join in on the fun and be one of our patrons and help support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. And part of our benefits, uh, we shout out our hall of fame and elite tier patrons on each and every episode. So we'll start with uh, Drew Gooden. 
Armin, Carson Tulo, Jonathan Borges, Normal, Magic Player History, Gabe Gaines, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, Donkey Punch Dave, Powell and Franz is warm, Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Eduardo Sanchez, Congratulations, Mikey, Danimal, Dotto 15, Bobby Skinner, Goaty 93, Teddy Sylvia, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Juan Geraldo, Bill Fulton, Edmund Lagone, Jose Esquilin, Caleb Pete, Cannibalism, Time Mr. TV, ESPN Really Sucks, Gear 95, Shred, Junior Bruce, Half Reek, and Shahin 177. Obi the Don, Himlo Ban Himro, Arm Prof 221, Ray Pastrana, Spanking Season, Soft Taco, Victor Cologne, Irish Magic Mike, Austin Lampy, Random Hustle, Only Franz, Maria, Keith Wallace, Fritz, Currency Kev, Ruff Sal, Kaysen Green, Santi Leon, Kane Eckler, and The Distract. A big thank you to all of our patrons. Again, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And another shout out, Jonathan, not to our patrons, but to Jam Hot Chicken. Jam Hot Chicken, proudly serving the city beautiful. They are bringing jams, culture, and hot chicken to the heart of Winter Park. They're located at 400 West New England Avenue, Suite 13 in Hannibal Square. You guys can find them on at on any social media platform at Jam Hot Chicken. Go to jamhotchickenfl.com to access the menu, online ordering, music playlists, all things jam hot. If you guys haven't checked them out, go and do that. Tell them the six man show sent you. You won't regret it. All right, on to the Clippers game on Halloween. Halloween, a night of horrors, and it proved to be exactly that. So this was fresh off the James Harden deal, uh, which if you haven't heard about, like the Lakers game ended. I'm trying to go to bed, and then at like right after two a.m., the James Harden news drops. You know they traded a bunch of guys, so they were a little bit shorthanded. Obviously, didn't have James Harden in this game. Uh, Jonathan Isaac did not play in this game. We expected that you know he's on this minutes restriction, most likely not going to play in back-to-backs, at least to start the season, and that was true. Uh, Wednesday night, as we're recording this earlier this evening, injury report came out. Jonathan Isaac is not on it. He's expected to play uh, Thursday against the Jazz, so this is just part of his injury, rehab management, so on and so forth. It was never going to be easy to win this game, uh, but it was going to be much more difficult uh, without, uh, without Jonathan Isaac. Luke, the first quarter of this game was legitimately one of the worst quarters of basketball you will ever see. The teams collectively started 0 for 17 from the floor. Nobody made a field goal until, you know, like four and a half minutes into this game. The teams collectively shot 10 for 42 in the first quarter, and the Magic led 18 to 13. A solid second quarter for the Magic offensively. They shot 13 of 21. 
five of eight from behind the arc, but had five turnovers that helped keep the Clippers in the game. Uh, the Magic were able to keep the lead, uh, led by three at the half. And then the third quarter nightmare. The Clippers shot almost 74%. Uh, they had 16 points from Russell Westbrook, 14 points from Paul George, um, including like, I think it was four of like the most difficult threes you could ever ask anybody to make. Like the last one was like a step back jumper from the left wing with Franz just draped all over him. It legitimately did not matter. Uh, Paul George just did Paul George things in the third quarter. Uh, game was tied at 59 with 657 left in the third quarter. And within three minutes, it became a 13 point Clippers lead. That's how quickly this game got out of hand. Uh, they had a 17 point lead heading into the fourth quarter. Uh, Magic never got closer than 13 in the fourth quarter before D Jamal Mosley decided to wave the white flag, brought in the end of the Magic bench with 3.56 to go, down 17 at that point. It was the second night of a back-to-back. -back. Guys were gassed, and it was apparent that the Magic just did not have a big push in them to end this game, and the Magic end up losing this one, Luke, 102-118. to The third quarter is something to keep an eye on in terms of when the magic fall apart. We have seen this already just a few games into the season where the opposing team will start to mount a run. I believe this happens in the Houston game before you mm -hmm. open the floodgates, right? The, the difference is you actually answered and that all happened in the third quarter, right? Because in the third quarter, it's like, oh man, Houston's getting very close in this one. And then you extend the lead. I believe this happens another time. Maybe Portland. I can't remember if it was Portland or the other game. But regardless, it's, a, uh, it's just want to help you really quickly. The yeah. Magic in third quarters this year have a negative twenty two point three net rating. Yeah, that checks out. So <laughs> yeah, that even, checks even, out. And, and that's with the Houston game where you actually write the ship and extend the lead. So the point being, this has become a trend. I don't know what's what it is. If it's that halftime opposing coach is is making great adjustments, maybe the Magic aren't. I don't know, but that seems to be the case because the Clippers, like you said, outscore the Magic forty-one to twenty-one in the third quarter. There is no reason for that. It feels inevitable that the Clippers are going to figure it out because Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. There's no way that they are that abysmal for the whole game. I'm sorry to work. do this again. The Magic have a double-digit positive net rating in every other quarter this year. Yeah. So it is quite literally they are losing games in the third quarter, at least the last two games. Right. Yeah. Yeah, take out the and third I'm, quarter. I'm sure these net ratings are heavily skewed by the last couple of games, but like through four games, like that's pretty damning evidence, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. Regardless, like that's just what the, the naked eye shows you is that these teams make a run in the third quarter at some point. And the answer to the question is, do the Magic have a counter in that quarter to fight back? In this game, you, you, you put something up on, on X, Jonathan, where you said essentially like the Clippers are coming and the Magic, I don't know where the offense is going to come from. And that is what it felt helpless. The Clippers are a great team. They have two of the best perimeter defenders in the league, and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Not to mention they're pretty great at offense too. But Paul George, man, I I I want a Paul George on my team when I grow up. That's what I want. 
because Paul George is nuts when he gets going. Healthy Paul George is, is one of the greatest talents in the NBA. And he was a lethal weapon in this game for for the Clippers when they couldn't seem to really get help from anybody else except for guys like Norman Powell, who has a pretty great game in this one. Westbrook comes alive. But Paul George shows why he is one of the best in the league and just frustrates you to no end in this game. This is another game where free throws were a problem. The Magic get to the line 33 times, shoot 19 of 33 at the free throw line, 57%. That third quarter, I, I don't know if things would have ultimately you know, ended up like being a, a, a big difference, but it, it just, when you're, you're shooting that, I mean, that's 14 points that you make up there in a, a 16 point loss. Like it, I, I really think it, it has to make a difference somewhere. And then seven of 30 from behind the arc, 23, uh, percent um and according to to synergy i believe it is uh 17 of those 30 attempts were wide open and you know you had the point earlier about sometimes you're wide open for a reason Mm -hmm. when you have 17 wide open threes and you end up going seven of 30 for the game like that it's just it's it's never ever going to be good enough especially when a guy you know like paul george has a quarter like he has in the third and, and russell westbrook has the third quarter that he did. Now, I know it's the second night of a back-to-back. I know it's a road game and you have a tough loss the night before that super deflating, so on and so forth. Rewatching that second half, I, I watched it back today. The like the soul of this team, at least in this game, and and really like offensively, it, it feels like three games in a row where guys are just sort of like going through the motions. You know, like where you know against Houston and like throughout the preseason like we saw guys playing with so much energy on both ends of the floor especially in that second half it just felt like guys are are going through the motions like they're ready for this game to be over like they lost this game when LeBron hit that 3 at the top of the key against the Lakers or or when D'Angelo Russell hit that 3 to take the the lead back like that's when the Magic lost both of those games it felt like they didn't have like the the normal typical swagger that we see. Yes, for you know three quarters of this game they were good defensively. I, I would argue even points in that third quarter they were you know good defensively. Guys were just hitting really tough shots. Like Russell Westbrook hit some shots that nine times out of ten you're fine with him taking. And Paul George, you know, I don't, I don't care if he made the shot. That's a bad shot. Like that's the famous Paul George line. He made some bad shots in this one with guys like draped all over him, but like. The vibes just felt off. Like guys did not look like they were out there having fun. They didn't look like they were communicating the way that we expected Jamal Mosley, Coach Magic team, to communicate. And like the Magic just absolutely didn't have it in this game. And it's concerning. I don't know if you have more points, you know, that you want to go into about you know this game in particular, or if yeah. um, we just want to talk about you know some of the concerning signs, you know, uh, through four games. I think I can add one more thing. I mean, unfortunately, from a wide lens, all of these points happened in this game, but they happened in other games as well. So I'll I'll table some of those for right after this. But to continue to kind of add to what you said, right, per synergy, 
17 wide open attempts, which is like the definition is basically there's six feet, six plus feet of, of space or something like that between the guy shooting and the nearest defender. 17. And as Fazan, um, our, obviously our writer, contributor on Twitter, has a lot of great stuff. He now, Fazan had that. Fazan had this stat first. I well, didn't know he got it from Synergy. I went to Synergy and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, that's where Fazan found so, this. But really, the reason I bring him up is because in his tweet, he said, I just don't want Fazan thinking I'm like stealing his stuff without <laughs> credit. content. Him. Yeah. No, he. So the reason I bring him up is because in, in the post, he says, yes, 17 wide open looks from three, but the Magic only make four of them. So that's like 23% on wide open threes. Again, you're open for a reason. Figure it out. And another Knock point, I was I was texting with Fazan and I was we were just I was talking to him about it because just from an X's and O standpoint, he gets it. And I said to him, I was talking to him about it. He was like, Yeah, he said the 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 ability to shoot threes is a lot like running the football and and running the football because it will it will open up everything else. It'll open up your ability to to go deep. To have different looks and catch guys off guard, they're worrying about your shooting from the perimeter, so you're able to get better looks at the rim, those sort of things, and and that's something that we saw rear its head in this game against the Clippers. They and it goes in really to the whole season wide look to this point, but just a lot of them packing the paint, basically daring you to shoot the three, and until you figure it out, it's not going to get any better. And that starts at the top. Whether that be coaching, having the right personnel in the game for the right amount of time, figuring out what rotations work, who works well together. It's got to be figured out because it, or else it, against good teams or great teams, this is not going to get figured out if you don't change something. Whether that's just shots start falling or you, you figure out something else because this is not clearly working. So I, I do think that is largely an issue, but it's also guys are just like missing shots that they yep. normally make. Like Paolo Bancaro had like a, a very open layup like in the, mm-hmm. the second half and just whiffs on it. Wendell, he's had tons of yep. like attempts at the rim where he's either getting blocked or just missing on gimmies. Like he had like a three-foot bunny mm-hmm. in the third quarter, I believe it was, He's just hitting the back of the rim. Like guys are not making shots that they normally should make. Like three point shooting, be damned. Like guys are missing shots that we are accustomed to them making. And when you compile that with the poor three point shooting, you're making life so difficult on yourself. And they say, you know, it's a make or miss league, whatever. We're getting good looks. Guys are talking about that in the post game and they're not wrong. But man, like we, we need guys to show up and start knocking down shots. That's, I don't mean to be like overly critical, but it's it's as simple as that. I know it's can, a make or miss league. We need mm-hmm. to make shots. Can I, I want to add context real quick to the Wendell thing. So I, per bucketlist.fans, if you bring up Wendell and how he is shooting, so I'll give you a, a bigger, a much bigger sample size. Last year, all of last year, Wendell in the restricted area shot 78%. 168 for 215. That's a huge sample size. And he shoots 78%. This year, Jonathan, small sample size. So statistically speaking, his percentage should be much higher. He is 10 for 16. 62.5% in the restricted area. 
a huge discrepancy. So further to your point, if you are a listener, you've been watching these games and you've been feeling the same thing Jonathan and I have about uh, Wendell and his shooting close to the basket. You're not crazy. You're not wrong. Wendell for 16 outside of six feet is not even looking at the rim right now on offensive possessions. He gets the ball like elbow further back. He's looking to pass every single time. Mm-hmm. Like let's let's do this now. Let I literally named this se- this segment. What is wrong with the magic? Because something ain't right right now. It, it might just be a, a thing where they go through a slump and then they're going to be great other parts of the year. I don't know. I'm not going to act like I have the answers here. But I just want to. We I, I want to. I, I need a vent. I need to talk about this. Okay, this mm-hmm. isn't even like an analytical thing. It's like what the hell is going on with these guys? I talked at the beginning of the show with the 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 state of the magic. Let me bring this back up. So on the season, 16th in offensive rating, second in uh, defensive rating, 10th in net rating. We take away that Houston game, 25th in offensive rating, 11th in defensive rating, 19th in net rating. You cannot right now look at, like, obviously, super small sample size, four-game season so far. When you look at the last three games, the Magic have not been good. I don't think anybody, like, they barely beat the Blazers, should have beat the Lakers, got killed by the Clippers. But, this, like, this is not good, right? It, it starts with Paolo Bancaro, in my opinion. We This team is going to go as this kid goes. And let me pull up... Um, the, the stats uh, for Paolo uh, on the season so far. So through four games, 31 minutes per game, 12 and a half points, shooting 37% from the floor, 22% from the three-point line, 53% from the free throw line, uh, 5.3 rebounds, four and a half assists. He's leading the team 1.8 steals, but he doesn't look as confident. He hasn't been as aggressive and he's not taking advantage of some of the same opportunities that he was last year. Whether you know that be forcing the issue at times, sometimes you need your best player to force the issue. I am encouraged that he's trying to eliminate some of the bad shots from his shot selection. That was a big you know, criticism last year, and one of the reasons why he was inefficient is because he, he was taking bad shots, like long, contested, mid-range jumpers last year. He's affecting the game in other ways you know with his rebound the defense has been solid um he's been one of the better playmakers you know in terms of like uh you know um like uh like points you know created with assists you know stuff like that but we need this kid to put the ball in the freaking basket that is number one i know it's hard with the lack of spacing he's getting tough looks defensively but he's also just missing shots that he should be able to make I, I don't think that is being too harsh. No, like and he has had looks that even that he, I'm not saying anything that Paolo doesn't know, right? He's missing shots that he expects himself to make right now. And we need them to start falling. And that's what Paolo talks about in the postgame presser of the Clippers game. I mean, he said it, he said, my main quote, my main focus is trying to make shots. It's been rough so far, but it's going to come. I've got to trust it. So, but for me, and it it all ties into making shots, the confidence is just not there, man, at all. Like just going up really weak, and it's been super odd to see after seeing him as a rookie, maybe having more reason 
to to go up and not be as confident in himself because he was a rookie. But it's like I don't know what it is. I don't know. People want to talk about FIBA and exhaustion, maybe from that. I I don't know what the truth is to that. To be honest with you, I don't know the toll that that takes. I'm not in a position to, to honestly speak on it. But from what I can see, is that he just legitimately looks more apprehensive anywhere on the court, whether it's beyond the arc, whether it's in the restricted area, going up, challenging guys. He had one last night where, or maybe two nights ago, where he just forcefully goes up against Anthony Davis, I believe, and makes a shot, like, in close. No hesitancy. And I was like, man, where has that guy gone for the entire game? Because I just don't get it. I don't understand what it is. Maybe it is just that he's so discouraged that he can't make a shot. But something that happened in this Clippers game goes back to what Markel said. I think it might have been after practice in L.A., talking they said like what's your message for Paolo basically and Markel essentially gave a a message for the whole team which was don't let your offense dictate your defense don't let the fact that you're not making shots hinder your ability to guard and thankfully Paolo like you said over a steal a game right now is doing well in that category but the magic as a whole putting giving up 41 to the Clippers in this game to me, that was letting your offense dictate your defense. Regardless of how talented that team is, because the Clippers can put it on you in a hurry. But there's there's no reason for that. And I just can't help but think that's got to be the huge reason. It's because their offense isn't going. It finally got to them last night in the third quarter of that game and didn't really have an answer for Paul George and just shut down completely. So I don't want to sit here and just continue to harp on Paolo. Everybody knows what it is. Yeah. He's got to find a way to be more aggressive. He's got to find a way to put the ball in the basket. You can talk about the looks. Like if he gets a a, a post touch, he's immediately swarmed and forced to get rid of mm-hmm. the basketball. Like he does not have the time to sit there and, and post up and let a play develop in that way. And and guys are just forming walls when he's driving to the rim, right? Like every team is game planning to stop Palo Bancaro right now. He's going to figure it out. I tweeted this during the Clippers game, like. We're going to look back a few weeks from now and like just laugh about the first few games from Paolo and like how everybody was like worried and stuff. But right now, it's genuinely not a good time. Like, I know the kid is going to figure it out. He's, he's too good. He's been too good his entire life, had too good of a rookie season. He's, he's too confident. He's too talented. He's too big. He's too strong. He's going to figure it out. But man, if, if we don't need that in the worst absolute way right now, talking about guys that are, are being hesitant and not like really finishing strong. Wendell, right? Like you, you just talked about his finishing numbers at the rim. I want to know where that would be without all the lobs he's been catching this year. Oh, no doubt. Because that's like the majority of his points. And, and without the lobs, like it, it's it's really got to be bad. Like when he's catching it with two feet in the paint right now, it's it's not ending up well. Like was it, it was against DeAndre Ayton, like two separate plays where he's just like trying to pump fake DeAndre Ayton. It's like, brother, just go up, try to finish through contact. Like, you're the biggest, strongest dude on the floor. You're going to be fine. Like He's another guy who right now looks soulless. Like I am not seeing the same like confident, fiery like Wendell that we're accustomed to seeing. He does not look confident right now. So to further context, you said 
the oops and all that. Bucket list top fans, by the way, if anybody hasn't been on the site, it is so user friendly and so easy to use. It's got and they just charts. updated it, by the way. They just updated. It looks great. But further talking about Wendell, Wendell has caught and converted on all of the ones that he's caught to what I found. But he's six for six on alley oops. All of them have taken place in the restricted area, John. So, w- so what are we talking about? Like four of twelve. Four of ten is what he is outside of so value. So forty percent compared to seventy whatever you said, eight I think or something last year. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, please help us. I'm not using the Lord's name in vain right now. I'm literally praying, help us. That yeah. is bad, brother. Which yeah. is another reason why I'm not like freaking out because like that's not going to continue. Mm-hmm. But man. We're just getting hit with the perfect storm of terrible offense right now. Um, the other thing I will say is that <laughs> Wendell is shooting or have, getting an, an incredible amount of lobs this year considering what he got last year. Last year he had 25 alley-oops uh, thrown to him. He was 23 for 25 on alley-oops last year. He's already had six through four games, Jonathan. Oh, brother. But he's already had six through four games. So that's like 1.5 We're a game. We're 20th that's... through the season. And he's already yeah. got a quarter of what he had last year. He would be you know, on pace for like 70 if he played like 50-some games. And he only had 26 last year, 25 last year. Which brings me to my other point, Jonathan. And that point is... they. The Magic just need to continue to run the action where he is setting the screen. Another thing that Fazan talked about, another reason to throw him a follow on on X. He so essentially the, the Magic right now, like one wrinkle they've added this year, which is why Wendell already has caught and attempted and made six alley oops this year, is because they are running that action where he is setting on the empty side of the court, he is setting a screen, rolling to the butt bucket. And it's working out perfectly to the point where he's able to convert on these. Franz is just throwing dimes. Yeah. And and they're doing things like running it twice. It failed once, I believe, last night. They come out. They run it again. Jalen hits him with the lob. And Markel's the one that threw the first one that it ended up working out. But it is just going... Like, that action needs to happen far more often. The Magic have found something that works with Wendell. They need to continue to go back to it. Anything that can give him confidence, just continue doing that. Just let like continue. To, this basically can serve as a reminder of like just doubt. Like you're the man. Figure it out. You have to. And I think that Wendell, like you have to continue running that action. I would be disappointed if we stopped seeing it or if it didn't happen as often. I think it needs to happen more. All right, let's talk about Franz. Uh, four games, thirty, almost 33 minutes a game, 18 points, shooting 37.9% from the floor, 33% from behind the arc, 94% at the free throw line, adding six rebounds, three assists, a steal, and half a block. Uh, another guy. Like I- I've been a little bit happier with Franz uh, than I am with Paolo. You know, he's shooting the ball from, from deep a lot better, although it's only 33% shooting around the same uh, percentage. But Franz just seems to be like getting to his spots a little bit easier and, and able to finish. Now he's he's missing easy looks. He's missing, you know, layups and, and, and shots that we're accustomed to, to him making. 
But just like with Paolo, like teams are game planning. You stop Paolo, you stop Franz. Like they're trying to make everybody else beat us right now. And apart from opening night where Cole stepped up in a big way, guys aren't aren't doing that enough. Like Gary was awesome, you know, uh, against the Lakers. And you had an opportunity to win that game, but just couldn't make enough plays down the stretch to make it happen. Franz is just another guy that, hey, like we we need you. I don't care how they're defending you. Like these guys are good enough to make tough shots. We need them to make tough shots. Guys around them, like we'll we'll talk about the three point shooting. Three point shooting is terrible. Like on the season right now, the team is shooting thirty percent from behind the arc. Everybody needs to be better in that regard. Except I'm I'm not talking to you, Gary. You're you just keep doing what you're doing. Everybody else has got to start making shots. Like you talked about, that's going to open up the offense for everybody. But guys have to start making shots. And I understand where people are coming from, where they're talking about, hey, like Markel and Jalen in the starting lineup, it's it's not working. So like maybe bring in Gary. I feel like it's a touch too early to do that. But if we are really having like the expectation that we've talked about all offseason, as good as Jalen has played, and like it's one of those weird things where like Jalen doesn't deserve to be benched. But it just end up might just end up being better for the the rest of the team. Like if Jalen can't shoot, you know, thirty five percent from the three point line right now, he's sitting at thirty, and he he's missed some 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 tough looks. Like he's had you know a couple of games where he's looked all right from behind the arc, but he's got to be better there, or or he just will not be in the starting lineup. That's what we talked about all off season. Jalen's going to start. He's got to be at least league average from three, and so far he's not there. And I'll also add to the Franz context too, just much like I did with Wendell, literally the same. Restricted area, he's 7 of 16, which is 43.8% this year in that small sample size. Last year, four, on 407 attempts, he's 65% last year in the restricted area, yeah. 266 made buckets there. So that is Everything definitely is going weak bad spot. on offense. Like It, could, it almost couldn't be worse right offensively. Rim. A lot of it is right at the rim, and that's the most frustrating part. Jonathan, before we eventually get out of here, do you do you want to talk about Joe Ingles at all? He's next on my list. I'm so glad that you brought it up. Perfect. Joe Ingles is giving us absolutely zero, but the Magic are doing nothing to generate three-point nothing. attempts for him. Literally nothing. Literally nothing. They're not running a single damn thing for him. They're running dribble handoffs with him and asking him to be like the secondary playmaker in the the bench unit. It's like, and, no, that's not what this guy was brought here to do. What is happening? To his credit of what the Magic are asking him to do right now, he is doing it at a respectable level. He's getting level. 1.3 three-point attempts per game right now. I'm sorry. Figure it out. That is so unacceptable. Yeah, and... I mean, it, and like I, to my point of the Magic are asking him to essentially play make, which he is underrated at that. Two and a half assists in 14 and a half minutes this year. Two and a half assists, not even a turnover a game. Joe Ingles is a great vet in the sense that he has a very high IQ. He is great with the basketball. There's been times where he's got the ball and dribbles off a foot or whatever it might be right but the stats show he is a very good playmaker especially at his size but you've got to let him you've got to give him more freedom i don't know schematically what they're telling him 
he is not a stranger to handling the ball. He did it in Utah. He did it in Milwaukee. But the difference was is that he came off these screens and popped threes like that and 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 made the pass if he needed to. So I don't know what they're telling him, but Joe Ingles, the Joe Ingles that has been his whole career has been living off of the pick and roll, shooting the three off of the pick or just making him in the sitting him in the corner and just letting him shoot threes. At what point do you say, okay, let's ease off Joe doing that and just let him be a spark? Because in those other offenses, they had more shooters. And so he was able to pass, make the right read to another shooter in the corner off the pick and roll or whatever it might have been, right? But now the Magic don't have the luxury of having a ton of shooters. You need to utilize them when you got them. Utilize them, you know, Gary Harris... All his job is to make open threes right now. That's all it's going to continue to be. That's all Joe Harris has also been asked to do. I wish we had Joe Harris, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, Joe Ingles. This is the second time I've done that in the last like month. I think about Joe Harris often. Anyway, Joe Ingles, in his career, Jonathan, like especially in the last few years, uh, let's see, he had like six field goal attempts a couple years ago at Utah, and five of them were threes. There's no reason that that shouldn't be the case with the Magic. Him shooting, even if it's a lower volume. He needs four or five th- attempts a game from behind the arc. Yeah. Like 1.3 so, is atrocious. The dude has scored one basket so far. He's averaging a half point a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joe Ingles. Like they've got to find a way to get him going. It has really been pissing me off. People on on social media that are like, Joe Ingles, man, get him off. Why did we bring him in here? It's like, you guys aren't paying attention, are you? Like, you guys just want to be mad. But this isn't Joe Ingles' fault by any means. So I'm interested to see how that kind of shifts as this season goes. Does Joe Ingles get more attempts from three? Does do his minutes go up? I don't know. But you have to interject any possible shooter you have. And if you're not, at, at what point are you going to look at Jet Howard down the line? I was just going to say that there are people that are mad just to be mad, but there are people that are making the point. Like if you're doing this with Jet uh, with Joe Ingles, why can't this be Jet Howard? And I completely agree with that. Like if you're just not going to let him do anything at all, it might as well be Jet Howard out there running around I, getting some cardio. I think the rebuttal there is just that Jet Howard couldn't run a pick and roll like Joe Ingles. Maybe not like Joe Ingles. Now, Jed Howard has shown that he's got a little bit of you know playmaking bag. I don't I don't want to completely you know uh, of course disregard you know Jed Howard and his potential there. Now, I I agree. Like they're they're giving Joe Ingles a you know a bit more responsibility than Jet would be given, but that's not why you brought Joe here. Like the secondary playmaking is a is a bonus. That's you brought him here to to knock down threes. We don't think that's that's why they brought him here. That's not what they said. That's not the yeah. reason they, they didn't say, "Oh yeah, we brought him here that. to handle the ball." Like, no, we brought him here because we need a veteran and we need three point shooting. They didn't say we wanted a guy like Joe Ingles. They said we wanted Joe Ingles. Right. You brought Joe Ingles here. Let Joe Ingles jingle. All right, let the man jingle. Let the man freaking jingle. And hey, to the people out there that are saying, "Why aren't we playing the rookies? These are these are lottery picks. These guys are freaking busts." Do you listen? 
to the show. Do you listen? And I don't mean to, to get yourself right this year. That was not right of me. I apologize. I'm getting a little too emotional here. Listen to what Jeff Weltman said for a month before the draft. And every time that Jeff Weltman has talked about the rookies since the draft, guys are not going to be handed minutes anymore. Whose minutes are these guys taking? We just talked about Jed Howard and Joe Ingles. It's, it is not the time, all right? Whose minutes is Anthony Black going to take? There's, there's not a good answer for that. These guys are not going to play. That was the expectation that has been set since the draft and either be, even before the draft. These guys and, are not busts, okay? Just because they're not playing doesn't mean they're not good, doesn't mean they're not going to work out in the NBA. This is what a healthy rookie life cycle looks like on a good team. You don't just mm-hmm. get minutes right away. I know people that have been paying attention to this team for the last 10 plus years or so. You're used to, you're picked in the first half of the first, of, of the first round, you play immediately. On a good team, when you have good talent and you have depth and you have playoff aspirations, it does not work like that, folks. I yeah. apologize for my outburst, okay? That was wrong of me. I just sounded like a little douchebag. But it doesn't work like that, okay? Please stop with the bust with the lottery pick stuff, it does not matter right now at this point and in time. Also, just to further that point, another interesting piece of that Clippers game was that we found out when J.I. is not playing, who's how many man rotation, man rotation is mostly going to run. With J.I., it was 10 in a standard game that's not a blowout. In this Clippers game... It was Mo Wagner, Cole Anthony, Joe Ingles, Gary Harris, and then the other guys get run when the game's out of hand, rookies included. And so you ran nine instead of 10 without J.I., which I thought was interesting, but tells me that the most that Mosley's ever going to go is 10, which is great because that is as much as I would want to go. So just to continue to see how this team is going to function when it comes to J.I. and rotations when p- come postseason time. I There's no guarantee that if the Magic are to make the playoffs and make a series, that J.I. is going to... J.I. might only play a few games in a series. Don't and say that. Don't, I don't, don't do that. True. No way. There's no, no way. way. If he's healthy, gets through the majority of the season, and you're not playing back-to-back games, come on now. We're, we're talking oh. about... Five, six months from now. It we'll is see, way man. too early to say that. I didn't think that J.I. would play 10 minutes on Monday and then not play at all in the back-to-back. I knew he wouldn't play back-to-backs, but I didn't know he was going to be playing 10 minutes. There is a whole level of pumping the brakes with J.I. this year that we have no idea how this front office plans to manage him. So for maybe for them, it's... I don't know, man. But if we get through five months of him being mostly healthy, like people are going to have, you're going to tweak an ankle, you know, you're going to miss a game or two, whatever. But without him missing like large chunks of time and we just have like normal, like injury rehab, I ever, even considering everything that's happened, this has been the most bizarre like injury rehab that I've ever witnessed in my 30 years of watching sports okay even considering all of that it would be so hard for me to imagine 
him getting through a season mostly healthy where he plays 60, 65 games, and now we're in April, and he doesn't play consecutive playoff games. If, like, if that would be insane to me. Come playoff time, what do you think? 20 minutes a game? I, I, don't, I don't know, okay? I, I genuinely don't know how long it's going to take to ramp him up. It I would has to if be. he makes if he makes it through the first half of the season like mostly healthy where like he only has a couple of stretches where he misses a game or two due to injury like an ankle tweak you know uh I I don't know soreness whatever where like you know not the you know prescribed rest like second night of a back to back four games in you know five nights kind of like or. I guess that doesn't four. really have three and four, five and seven, that kind of stuff that I understand. But if he makes it through, we get to the all-star break and he's only missed two or three or maybe a handful of games due to real injury. And he's not mostly off of a minutes restriction by that point. To me, that would be kind of crazy. Again, all of this is sort of uncharted territory. But I, if he gets through the season mostly healthy, like the whole season, and we get into the playoffs, there's got to be no minutes restriction. That would Hopefully. that would just be, to me, that would be, seem unreasonable for almost anything. Yeah, I just think that at some point you come to a point that if somehow, let's say there's a setback at some point, and he's getting God, why do you have to again, say that? If he's playing like 10, 15 minutes a game still to that point, and they just said, and they agreed they're just going to, straight baby him through this whole season just get him through at what point in the postseason in a, in a seven game series are you saying this guy's not playing enough minutes for it to not like this guy's not playing enough for it to not alter chemistry or rotation or it's not worth it oh i i that's definitely a concern like one of the last things that i had here on what's wrong with the magic is ji's minutes restriction if ji like he, he's playing 11 minutes per game right now if he's able to play more than 11 minutes against the Lakers, like if he plays 20 minutes in that Lakers game, I'm confident that we win that game. If he plays 15 minutes against the Clippers, maybe that outburst in the third quarter doesn't happen. Yeah. Obviously, you know, was, was fantastic, you know, um, against the, the, uh, the Rockets, you know, opening night. When we go and we look at the you know, the the game against the the Blazers, you know, not even eight minutes in that game, didn't play at all. I believe in the second half of that game, the all three of the outcomes, you know, were of these games that we're talking about here: Blazers, Lakers, Clippers. Ji plays fifteen minutes in those games. I think we're we're looking at different results. Maybe not the Clippers game. You, you probably still lose. Game's probably a bit closer there. But he plays the second half against the Blazers. I don't think they they make as big of a run in the the third quarter. He plays more minute more minutes against the Lakers. I think you have a little bit more of a cushion going into those you know final minutes, and, and maybe you're able to pl- you know, pull out a W. Yeah, and that's a fair question. How long can we do this? Well, let's take a look. I think really the the biggest question here is going to be like the the back to backs. So our next back-to-back, I'm looking at the schedule now, isn't it until um, 
Tuesday, November 21st, and uh, Wednesday, November 22nd. So for the next few weeks where we don't have a back-to-back, we shouldn't see a game where J.I. is just not in the rotation, you know, and, and we're forced to play nine guys. But hopefully we can get to the point where he's playing six or seven minutes in each one of these halves. You've got that back-to-back on the 21st, 22nd. You've got a back-to-back December 1st and 2nd. You've got a back-to-back December 20th and 21st. A back-to-back January 2nd, January 3rd, January 12th, January 13th, January 21st, January 22nd, January 28th, January 29th. Like there are some stretches in the season where if he's not going to play back-to-backs, like you're you're disrupting the lineup, you know, quite a bit there. And who knows? Maybe if he makes it all the way through November, he makes it all the way through December. Maybe maybe they do, you know, play him in a in a back-to-back. I don't I don't know. These are all fair questions. None of which we have the answers to right now, which as a, as a fan just kind of sucks. It is what it is. But I'm hoping that we're able to bounce back on, on Thursday tonight as you are listening to this. Win the game in Utah against a decent Jazz team. That would split the road trip. You'd go 2-2. Two and two. You'd be coming home to take on the Lakers on Saturday 3-2. and two. And I think we all would have taken that to start the season. Yeah. You win the opener. You split the road trip. You're three and two taking on the Lakers at Saturday night at home. Like, yes, there's a lot going wrong, but a win and a convincing win at that against Utah, I think would go a long way in making people feel all right about the season so far. Yeah. That's the rest of the week here. We're, we're looking at the, the Jazz Thursday night. Tonight, as you're listening to this, you got the Lakers at home on Saturday. The return of Kobe Price, by the way, I'll, I'll be in attendance, uh, you know, covering that game. It'll be good to see our boy Kobe. Uh, but Luke, uh, this has been a, a pretty thick boy uh, episode here. Do you got anything else that you want to add uh, before we go ahead and wrap this one up, put a nice bow on it? Uh, the final thing I'll add, Jonathan, is yes, we are four games into the season. Yes, we spent a large part of this episode critiquing the magic. But you and I are both very, very aware, despite what maybe our listeners think at this point in the episode, that this could all change in an instant and the magic looked great and it was just a matter of opponent the clippers game lakers game you lose by three clippers game you lose by far more than that right like that game wasn't even close that was really the only game you haven't been into this point which you tell us that at the beginning of the season hey three out of the first four games you guys had a chance to win all of them great sign us up and we'll just see how this continues to trend but yeah so i think that's the last thing we know the sky isn't falling but these are all things that have brought a little bit of concern to us early in the season. Something to look for for the rest of the season. Hey, if two weeks from now, if we're sitting with more than five wins, that's going to be a massive W because you start five and 20 last year. You start to figure some things out. You have the six game winning streak in December, You basically go 500 the rest of the year. And it was until game 79 before the magic were eliminated from the postseason. We talked all off season about like the plan should be the goal. Doesn't matter if you're seven, eight, nine, or ten. I'll take any of it. To be perfectly honest with you, the, the Magic just—if we continue to hover around 500, and they can figure things out as we go deeper into the season—I'll be good with that. So it's yeah. not all doom and gloom. The Magic are still in a good position right now. We're fifth in the Eastern Conference. A week and a half into the season, we all would have taken that, or a, a, I guess a little over a week into the season, we all would have taken that. So yes, we're critical. 
but we've talked all off season. The whole team has talked all off season about a new standard, a new level of expectations. And it is our job as fans to hold the team to that standard and, and to that level of expectations. So hope you guys uh, enjoyed this episode. Just a couple of things. want to remind you of our post game live on YouTube after every single magic game. Kevin's been doing a great job with those. They've been a lot of fun coming up next Monday on the sixth when the magic take on the Dallas Mavericks. We're going to be doing the new uh, edition of the Six Fan Show. So after the game, if you're at Amway, make sure that you find our guy Ben outside to give your opinions and takes on the Magic. Uh, Thursday night, as you're listening to this, we're going to be doing a playback during that Utah Jazz game. So if you want to find us, you can find us at playback.tv slash Six Man Show. Come and hang out with us. And then November 16th, we're going to be at Wall Street Plaza a watch party to watch the Magic take on the Bulls in their second in-season tournament game. That is going to be a ton of fun. Uh, and again, uh, for Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You all have been listening to The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Six Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.